Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with Blue Prism. Today on the Generation Digital Workforce podcast, my guest is Moshe Dickerman, an expert principal within Bain & Company's Automation Center of Excellence. I will be talking with Moshe about how companies across all industries will be utilizing the digital workforce as a cost reduction lever post-COVID-19. Moshe, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me here, Brad. So Moshe, why don't you start by just telling us about yourself and your career background? Sure. Thank you. So uh, prior to joining Bain, I spent uh, a little bit over 20 years doing what I'm going to call operational excellence, process improvement type of work, and deployment of automation solutions, mainly in the financial services industry. And specifically within two of the, I'm going to say two of the top 10 global banks uh, that, that do this type of work. And then since I've been with Bain, I've been focused on helping and advising and supporting companies in both the what we call our financial services practice, which focuses on banks and insurance companies, and also our performance improvement practice, which really looks at the capability itself agnostic of the actual type of company. And I would say that, uh, you know, the overall type of work and, you know, the involvement that I've had, it's, it's been an interesting view, if you may, of how this uh, evolution of this, not only methodology of how to do process excellence, how to do process improvement, but the injection of technology and the injection of automation into all of this has been a fascinating, uh, you know, trajectory to see how fast and, you know, all of the new tools that are out there to do this this type of work. So very excited to be here and, and talk a little more about that. Excellent. So Moshe, when most people think about Bain and Company, they think, about corporate strategy, um, organizational and operational improvement, large-scale trans- transformations, et cetera. How and where does robotic process automation fit into that? It's a good question. And I would say that it actually fits in, in all of the categories you just mentioned. When you think about the, the baseline or the top of the house on this type of uh, environment, you know, when, when companies setting up their strategy, they're looking at their organization, they're looking at how to improve operationally, uh, and then obviously when they're looking at transformations, all of those uh, major buckets of activities have what I would say a lot of processes that today uh, and in the past have been mainly done in a manual way. So they're intensive manually, large volumes, uh, they take time and both in capital uh, as far as the type of money being spent on them and human capital also in the effort required to do that type of work and where rpa comes in is to try to you know make that a more efficient process try to i'm going to say flatten uh, that that process itself to make it more straight through and and overall really to try to uh, i would say make all of the different activities and levers that are happening uh, actually work in a more efficient, faster, and error-free way. And that's, I think, where uh, RPA really plays a a great role in all of that. Okay. So, Moshe, would you say that automation via the digital workforce has become part of the the Bain playbook? 
for helping companies, you know, solve uh, complex issues across the enterprise? Is this the new norm? Yes, that that is that is correct. I think if you know, kind of the, the that earlier comment um, that I had been making uh, earlier, which was around um, the different levers and how this is used. You know, in the old days, there were a lot of different, I'm going to say, activities and exercises and ways to achieve uh, how to maximize efficiencies, how to make things simpler, how to uh, lower cost, for example, if you're doing a transformation. I think the enablement uh, of what RPA brings to the table, uh, it injects that, I'm going to say, that digital way of thinking and the way of actually automating uh, how you do today, mainly a manual process, into every single step uh, of what you do. So for sure, when we look at some of these issues that companies that we talk to about, um, I think having that mindset in the back of our mind, uh, this is pretty much a standard component of how we talk to clients and looking at, again, one of the other, I'm going to say, tools in the toolkit uh, that we can use around this. Great to hear your perspective on that. Thank you. As companies emerge from the lockdown due to COVID-19, what, what can we expect them to focus upon in the near term and, and what role will automation play in this? It's a very important role. I would say that when you look at, you know, the, I'm going to say a whole new world order that's coming out of uh, what's happening with COVID-19, I think companies are realizing, you know, a lot of their potential activities or efforts or uh, overall strategies of how they were going, whether it's, you know, to, to market, how they were interacting with customers, how their operations work. I think all of it is being revised uh, because of, the, you know, what is happening and kind of how they see things evolving with what's, you know, after the lockdown, if you may, from COVID-19. And where automation really plays in this is, I'm going to say, it's a very critical role in all of it. Because I think companies are realizing that, uh, you know, a lot of the different instances, uh, you, they're looking to reduce cost. They're looking to uh, free up cash flow. They're looking to, again, you know, drive those efficiencies. Uh, and they're trying to do that in an error-free, fast uh, possible way uh, so that they can actually get to that uh, component of, I'm going to say, fortifying uh, their, their infrastructure and the company uh, for whatever the future may, may bring to them. Mm, that's really interesting. How is the digital workforce different from other more traditional cost reduction methods? So, so I think the first one that I think is a significant change is the speed at which this can be deployed. In the normal traditional, I'm going to say, IT or system uh, implementations, uh, I'm going to say that the timing is, is a large factor uh, as far as how long it takes, the amount of effort, uh, whether it's, again, in, in, in capital or in both human and, and, and financial. And one big difference is the speed. When you think about specifically RPA, it is a technology that's really based on being able to be deployed very fast at a fraction of the cost that some of the other, I'm going to say, heavier infrastructure-wise uh, technologies and timeframe-wise uh, you know, solutions that are out there. And so I think the speed is, is one key component uh, that is a differentiator there. The other one is the how this is deployed in a company. If you think about, again, you know, larger IT type of deployments or, or solutions that are out there, they're really focused on the IT side of the house, right? So, you know, the, the how the prioritization is done, how the budgeting is done, uh, what kind of functionality is driven primarily by the by the technology side of the house versus the business. 
And I think the big difference is here is, you know, this type of technology, specifically RPA, is truly the way that it, I'm going to say, works. You get the most out of it uh, is really for it to be business driven. And, and where we see the most success is when it is business driven. It's set up in a business type of part of the organization as opposed to the IT side. And I think the last one is, you know, thinking about it from a perspective of, you know, it's, it's kind of like digital labor. If you think about it, it's just another tool in the toolkit to be able to help uh, overall an organization and in, in what they need to do and how to do it in a more efficient way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what about those companies who have not done anything with digital labor? Is it viable for them to consider adding this capability in the short term as, as we come out of the pandemic? For sure. I believe that uh, a lot of companies are uh, already doing that. Uh, they're already thinking about it. Uh, they're definitely looking at, at at ways to potentially try this in potential areas and ways that they had not thought of. Back to I think what you know the the the, the new environment that uh, COVID nineteen has brought upon us. Uh, and I and I believe that a lot of companies at one point, even if they were at least thinking and testing and trying out a lot of the different automation technologies. Given where we are today, uh, I think it has accelerated uh, the urgency and the need and also the use case as to why uh, automation programs or, or you know, automation solutions uh, could definitely help uh, with all of the potential uh, you know, future strategies and, and, and future ways of working that a company may have. Excellent. How should companies rapidly identify the best processes to automate so that they prioritize their efforts appropriately? So it's a term that I would call a process discovery. Uh, if you think about the two main uh, components of this type of work, it, it really boils down to two areas. One is the actual process itself, as the other one is the data. And if you think about those two as the backbone of any of these activities or any of these efforts, you know, starting with the process, you know, you really can have an understanding of you know what is really happening within within a specific situation. Uh, what are the levers that that could be pulled to change it? How to mitigate potential issues, and that includes the data as well. And I think the biggest piece here is to understand your process, uh, and and you know I would say tweak it uh, if possible. Make sure it's stable, and then automate because it goes back to the old um, you know saying, if you may, that it's garbage in, garbage out. If you were to automate a bad process you potentially uh, can make that even worse. And so I think that, uh, you know, from an experience perspective, what we have seen is ensuring you spend the proper time in a process and the process discovery phase is, is critical to make sure that you have a successful deployment of this type of technology. Okay, that makes sense. Where do you typically see companies begin their digital workforce journey? Yeah, I would say that the, the areas that I, I have experienced the most used uh, around this has really been in the corporate functions area. So your typical finance, your typical HR, your typical, um, I'm going to say vendor management, any of those uh, support functions within a, a company are, are one of the main entry points. And the other one that's, a, I would say, it's a equally uh, as focused is the operational area. Anything that has to do with the servicing of customers, anything that has to do with those large volumes, large transactions, those are typically the other areas where I uh, we typically see this type of work. In addition to cost reduction, are you seeing clients utilize digital labor to achieve other business outcomes as well? For example, customer satisfaction improvement, revenue enhancement, uh, et cetera? 
Yes, actually, what we usually have conversations around is, you know, for companies to go through this uh, activity, it is critical that they focus on more than one uh, lever, if you may. So if a company is going through this type of exercise, and let's say cost is the only lever that they're focused on, they're not going to really achieve, if you may, the full potential of this automation journey. And so what we really try to look at it is that more balanced view. Uh, you know, cost can definitely be one of the big levers, but definitely the customer experience is usually another one that we talk about. Uh, the, you talked about revenue enhancement, enhancement for sure. The other ones that we really look at as well is um, the reduction of rework. Uh, and I would say increasing uh, productivity, uh, increasing the quality of the type of work, right? The reduction in the errors, et cetera. So, so really the, the conversations around a more holistic way of looking at it as opposed to focused on one, I'm going to say, track, like for example, cost. Uh, again, it's not going to bring you the full benefits and the full potential of what this technology can bring uh, for a company. What are some of the challenges that companies face when they start utilizing digital labor? Yeah, so one of the, the I'm going to say, the number one uh, challenge that, that uh, I have seen companies go with is that they try to uh, tackle either too complex of a, of a process or too many processes uh, that, that uh, have complexity built into them uh, from the very beginning. So, you know, and there's a couple of reasons why this usually ends up in, in a, I'm going to say, turning out into a, a not sustainable or a, or a bad uh, experience. Uh, the complexity drives time, the complexity drives effort, uh, et cetera. And then usually when that happens, if something goes wrong, it kills the momentum of the overall journey uh, and the overall program. And so what we've typically seen as far as, you know, uh, that challenge specifically is to try to work on uh, more, you know, let's say less complex processes. Let's not, you know, boil the ocean, if you may, when you're going through this journey because that will drive the positive momentum uh, to try to mitigate, I would say, that challenge that you go. And I think the other challenge that's pretty high on the list is, you know, the top-down versus bottom-ups approach. When you're going through this journey, it's critical that it's a top-down approach uh, from the organization, right? Having that support, having the guidance, having, you know, all, all of that uh, from the very beginning really helps versus trying to uh, make these changes, get the organization behind you from the bottoms up. And so those, I would say, are the two main challenges that uh, I've dealt with when, when dealing with companies around this. Okay. So Moshe, I know that you do a lot of work with clients in Latin America. So I thought it'd be interesting just to get your assessment of the maturity of RPA in that region of the world and, how, and understand how you expect that to change in the near term. Yeah, so it's a very interesting viewpoint, I would say, from what's going on in Latin America. One of the big differences, I would say, between Latin America and I would say some of the other regions, and, and this kind of applies to, to some areas, to some parts of the world, let's say Asia, for example. Uh, labor costs and, and what I would call labor arbitrage is, is a key component when you're looking at RPA, when you're looking at you know these types of transformations. And as you probably know, uh, in Latin America and Asia, uh, you know, labor rates are, are, you know, relatively much lower than when you look at North America and Europe, et cetera. And so typically the challenge that comes to this is how do you equate, and back to the point of if you're only looking at that one view and that one lens of cost, how do you get a company to say, yes, I will invest in this type of technology, even though the technology itself may cost 
uh, a little higher than potentially, you know, having people like actual FTEs. And so I think the biggest piece there, and, and this is something that I've seen quite a bit in Latin America, is really, again, looking at that holistic view and, you know, of it, it can't just be about cost. It can't just be about the labor arbitrage. It has to be about some of these other components. And where I see a lot of potential is a lot of these companies, and, and you have some very fast forward companies that uh, in, in, in mainly in financial services is what I've seen in Latin America, that are, I'm going to say, almost best in class in using automation type of technologies uh, far more than, for example, a, a counterpart in North America. Um, they do still, you know, again, these are um, the far and few. It's not like a norm. It's not out there completely. But there's a lot of potential. And a lot of companies are seeing the value. As more and more of these companies go through that journey, they're really understanding that you know, that cost lever cannot be the only piece uh, to the puzzle as they're trying to figure out how to make their, you know, their organizations better, more efficient. Uh, and obviously from a shareholder, uh, uh, and, and, you know, uh, stock, you know, and stakeholder perspective to try to make this a, a more viable, uh, you know, product or company. They're really looking at all of these levers uh, to try to push uh, that forward. And so I do think that, uh, you know, financial services, I think, uh, specifically banks, I think in Latin America are taking a lead in this type of work. I think insurance companies are second to that. Uh, I have seen quite a bit of push with, uh, I'm going to say, uh, retailers in Latin America also pushing this type of technology and journey to try to really understand that ecosystem and, and leverage uh, how to get better uh, at this. But it is it's still a journey. Um, and so I would say that uh, you know, taking the labor arbitrage part out, uh, they are really looking at that holistic view and trying to make the most out of this technology and test it in ways that in some ways are, are very advanced and more advanced than I would say some of their counterparts in other parts of the world. Great. So Moshe, my last question for you, would you like to make any predictions uh, for the balance of the year with regard to digital transformation? I would say that if there was ever a time I would say in the history of, you know, and this is, you know, this technology has been around for quite some time. Um, it, it has matured quite a bit. Uh, and I would say that if there was ever a use case for using this type of technology for actually going through this transformation, this is probably the best uh, time uh, to be going through that. I think from the, you know, I would say for the rest of the year, I think companies as they're, uh, going through the process of uh, figuring out and going past the, I'm going to say the, the, as we call it at Bain, act now and plan now, right? They're going through the first part, which is the act now, which is really trying to understand, you know, how, what, 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 what do they need to do to operate as they are today? And then obviously looking at the future, which is the plan now. I think that planning now has taken that digital infusion to a whole different level. And where automation comes in, um, where maybe in the past it may not have been maybe top of mind or maybe in the top five areas of a company to really think about, it is definitely now one of the top one or two items uh, that are most companies, I'm going to say wish list or activities that they're really looking to pursue because they acknowledge and they see, uh, I'm going to say the rapid changes that, you know, the post COVID-19 world uh, is bringing upon us. So I think it's a, it's definitely um, a, a very exciting time to be in this space. Uh, I think the opportunities and, and the type of work that this is going to come out and the type of innovation uh, that's going to come out of this is going to be uh, quite interesting. 
Moshe, thank you so much for chatting with me today on Generation Digital Workforce. I, I truly appreciate your insights, and I know our listeners will as well. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.